Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to the Auburn Live podcast, your home for bold, insightful, and honest conversations around Auburn athletics. Hey, welcome in to another Auburn Live show. I am Justin Hokinson, and we'll jump right into it today. We got a, a couple of guests today, but first up is uh, a, a guy that I have known for, gosh, um, close to a decade. Um, one of the best receivers in the history of Auburn football, uh, an absolute big play guy, an NFL receiver. Um, and really one of the best all-around dudes that, 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 I, that I know and that I had an opportunity to, to get to know during recruiting and at Auburn. Um, if you haven't guessed it, it's uh, the one and only Sammy Coates. Sammy, what is happening, man? Not much, not much at all, man. Happy to be back in Auburn. Yeah, so you mentioned, obviously, Sammy, you mentioned you're back in Auburn. Uh, you, you had an awesome NFL career and had some great experiences, but – a lot of people are probably wondering what you're up to. You mentioned you're back in Auburn, man. Just tell people what you got going on and how's life and, and how is it being back in Auburn, man? That's awesome. Auburn is a great place. It's built a lot more than when I was here. You know, a lot more stuff going on. I'm just happy to be back. You know, great opportunities here. I'm just going to keep every opportunity that comes away. I'm going to take advantage of, like, getting to talk to the football team, getting to hang around them guys. It's a pretty cool opportunity. I'm just doing more in the community. So you're a police officer now. In the process. In the process. Well, yeah. I mean, what in the world led you to that, man? That is a, a, a noble thing, dude. How'd you get into that? Um, I want to do more, not just be a police officer. I'm just doing that, you know, just getting my feet wet. But I want to go to FBI or CIA agent or Secret Service eventually after like three years. So it's just a stepping stone to get to where I really want to go. That's awesome, man. That is awesome. Um, so you're back in Auburn enjoying life. Um, yeah, you mentioned it's, it's changed a lot. I mean, obviously what, what, what are some of the big differences, um, between when you were, um, when you were here and, and, and the way it is now? Um, just more buildings, more, it's so much going on, a lot more stuff happening. It's just it's way more people than when I was here. So it's just like crazy how fast it grew within like six years, six to five years. Yeah, no, the, you're no, no, there's no kid, man. I guess I've been here for a little over a decade now, and it is, um, man, it is, it's blown up. It's blown up a ton. Um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a crazy place, man. Hey, so before we get into, you know, kind of what your impressions are of the program now, um, let's go back to when you were at Auburn. Um, what do you remember from your time here? You know, you had kind of a, a wild ride. I mean, you were there in 12, yeah. right? And then yeah. you're in 13. I mean, you're, you were there in the big, and, and I can't imagine a bigger turnaround in the history of Auburn football and the history of college football than what happened from 12 to 13 um, at, at Auburn um, for people that, that maybe weren't as in tune during that time period, almost 10 years ago. Wow. Um, yeah. Talk to people about 2012 and 2013, like what was 12 like and how did 13 happen the next year? So my whole career at Auburn was like a roller coaster, you know. Um, it was like 2011, I broke my foot. In 2012, we only won three games to go into a national championship in 2013. It was like one of the craziest things ever in football. If if it was a book about us that them four years of college, it would be a bestseller. <laughs> it, it was so many different moments that everything you can imagine, your emotion-wise or – feeling as a person slash player, you went through it through those three years. Like, no way. There was no way around it. 2012 was, like, crazy. We had four or five different quarterbacks, new coach. Kids that get fired at the end of that year, it just, like, then we bring in Leffler as the off. It was so much going on that it was insane. It was just one of those things that is what it wasn't no preparing for it, if, I, if that's the right way to say it. 
then 2013 happens and you know we start winning games then we have that we lose the LSU then we turn on a beat Texas A&M I think Texas A&M was the turnaround moment for us like oh yeah we really got a chance like because Texas A&M was a team to beat and we beat them like I guess we kind of felt like that was our test to say we could really go to the national championship. So that season was kind of crazy too. We lost key players at the beginning. Then we kept winning, kept winning. Then the Georgia game happened. Now the Georgia game was like one of the things, it's meant for us to win this year. It's, just, it's meant for us to win this year. It's no other question. After that catch, after Rick made that catch, it meant for us to win this season. So we get to the Iron Bowl. This game is insane. It's probably one of the most intense game I've played in any level of football. Any level, it's the most intense game. It was touchdown, back-to-back touchdowns, back-to-back big plays. It was just so, – it was never a down moment in that game. Like, it was never a dull moment. No, I don't think nobody sat down that whole game. Like, I think the crowd was up the whole game. It was never, like, a, a quiet moment. You get to the end of that game, and we have it. So, we feel like this game is a national championship. Who will win this? most likely going to the national championship. That was a, that was a, when we came into this game, this mindset. Yep. We get to the end of that game. And this is our, our game. Is, this game is determined by a kick. He make it. We go home. Like we, we, we don't, we don't go, like go to the national championship. He miss it. We got another chance. Instead of either one, we get a touchdown, but no time on the clock. It's like, yes, it's definitely meant for us to go to the national championship. It's like, it's nothing's going to stop us now. Like, the SEC championship we win that that was not even like a I don't feel like it was a competition game. We really just went out there more talented than Missouri. That's what I felt. We had more horsepower. But the national championship game didn't get another roller coaster. We lose the national championship game after we had all this crazy stuff happen the whole season. It was like my whole career was just like forgetting over what to expect. It was like always something surprising. It was just one of those things. So big turnaround from three and nine to freaking yeah, by going undefeated and winning the national championship. It's, it ain't no preparing for that. It's like probably would never happen again. Yeah. It, I mean, I, I was – obviously, I was covering the team then, and, and it was um, – I mean, it's incredible. I was at the Texas A&M game. Um, I, I was actually in the end zone that you scored your touchdown on. I remember I remember taking pictures. You were running right at me, and I remember that little screen pass that you absolutely housed um, uh, in, the, in that game. That was an incredible game. Um, that really, really was. And you're right. I think that was that was the turning point. Second half against LSU. I think you guys found something. I think there yeah, was some that, confidence that came from that second half. I think we went into that game a little hot. You know, we didn't come in playing like we did when we finished that LSU game. But once we after that second half, we got like everything rolling. It was like we knew then, like we can beat anybody. Because we should have came back in and won that game. Yeah, there were opportunities even that LSU game, but that A and M game, you win that game, and like you said, you go on. You you, you have a big lead against Georgia that gets away. You know, a lot of people forget yep. that they they think yep. about the Ricardo Lewis play, and a lot of people like to say how lucky Auburn was. It's like, well, Auburn Auburn had a big lead in that game. Yeah, we did. Up. Yeah, um, that's what it was. We let up. Yeah, you shouldn't have given up. And then of course you're right. The ban- the, the Alabama game was was an incredible game. You know, I mean, y- y- y'all went up early. Um, you know, Bama comes back, and 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 I remember that they hit like a 99-yard touchdown bomb to Amari Cooper. It was just yep. a shocker. Yep. Um, and then of course the 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 pass to you with a with a minute or two left. It was a yep. great play that tied it up, and that game was is incredible. But how do you how do you describe the mindset change from from 12 to 13? Because man, at the end of 12, I mean, let's just be real. Like A and M. A&M came into Auburn and it was an, it was a beatdown. And Georgia yes. and Alabama, those were absolute beatdowns. And to go from that with just a new staff and to switch it over and do what you did in 13, like what do you attribute that to? I mean, how does that happen in a year? Is it no, just- I would say I would say players and familiar, like being familiar with Malzahn coming back and knowing who we got coming back, you know, and football is all about you know, knowing everybody around you, knowing your coaching staff and knowing, like, their environment. It's just we knew what kind of environment he brought because right before he left, we went 9-4 and four with the same team that when he came back to. So it wasn't like we had a terrible team of back. Back team was just like chemistry was missing. Like, we had a change. Coach Tizzit was going through what he was going through. We got a new offensive coordinator where everybody was like – it was just so many misses pieces that we couldn't fit the right thing. Then Malzahn came and he brought in Nick Marshall – 
Nick Marshall was a, a good leader on and off the field. Like when it came to practice, like practicing in the summertime, Nick was always in there throwing to us. It was like we built the team built a winning team. It was like Malzahn was back. That's good. We we know Malzahn. But when the players start being together, when we start doing things together, we're going to eat together. We like we kind of built a winning team, you know, because nobody was an individual. We didn't have nobody thinking about the league because at that time we knew we didn't have nobody after going two and two and nine. Like who's looking at the players, the same players, you know? So um, we just came together and started having fun together. Started hanging out more, start talking about football more, start practicing more together. It was just like one of those things. We built a great team, like within the team, like with the players. And I think that what helped us to go like, on that run we did because chemistry and being on the same page as the guy next to you in football is 100% the only way to win. And I, we built that. Yeah, no, there's no question. And then, so 13 happens. What's the locker room like um, at the end of that Florida State game? After that game, you get in the locker room. I mean, just take how, – how tough how tough was that? What was what was that locker room like? I'm sure nobody in there probably had been through something like what happened in the last minute of that game. You know, we, we – we was very, you know, destroyed because the way we lost. And I think that kind of affected our next year. Because you, if you think about the way we lost, it was like we gave the game to them. Like, they didn't actually win. So that affected you mentally. I don't care what kind of player you are, who you are. It kind of draws with you because when you look at all the plays that we gave them, the fake punt on fourth and sixth, um, mm-hmm. the kickoff return for a touchdown, like, those, those plays lost us the game. Like, it was just misunderstood, missed stuff. And it just – when you – Witness that happen as a player and knowing that we should have won that game, it, it it hits you harder after you lose, you know, and it's just – we was destroyed. Yeah, that was a tough one. I, I was there, um, and, uh, man, I was in that end zone when Trey Mason scores that touchdown. There's like a minute 20 left. And, um, man, uh, the way that thing ended was, was crazy. But what an unbelievable season. And like you said, 14 was a good season. Yeah, I remember that Ole Miss game – in 2014 a great game and and uh that went down to the wire that that you guys won in oxford and yeah had some tough losses to end that year but but before we move on to this team one more game i want to talk to you about is the iron bowl in 2014 one of the one of the crazier games too that really gets forgotten i feel like in some of the recent iron bowls because you had 13 that was wild and you had 17 and 19 like there's been some ones but 14 um kind of gets overlooked sometimes and that game was insane it was like i think it was the most points in an iron bowl ever and you yeah. had like 200 yards receiving what what in the world was that game like to be involved with it was like 55 40 55 44 or something crazy yeah like that. It, it was like 10 point game um that game i would say we went in just we wanted to prove a point that like we were still a great team you know we had a few hiccup games that that season you know the texas m game we should have won yeah. We had a fumble on the one-yard line, um, the LSU game. You know, it was just like little stuff that that knew we were still good, but it was just I don't think we had the same chemistry. You know, we missing some guys, key players. Big Greg left that year, Trey Mason. Mm-hmm. If them guys come back, I think we go back to the net, them key pieces to our offense, our whole team, you know. And um, I think D4 had just left. We lost a lot of key players, and we had a lot of guys that would have had to step up that next year with those young guys, you know. That's why they went on to the SEC championship after them young guys got older. It's like you just had young guys that wasn't ready to play yet. Then we get to that Iron Bowl. It's like, let's just go out here and just win. So we went out there and tried our best to win that game. It was just, you know, a shootout. Whoever had the ball last, whoever, you know, it was like one of those games where who wanted the most? And they they just ended up having more big plays than we did that game at the end. Yeah, I remember that. If 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 it was just field goals, man, I'm early in that yep. game, couldn't punch like it in, and, nope. and it was like three. I think Auburn had to kick three field goals early in that game. Then you mm-hmm. started scoring touchdowns. I remember the double pass to you right before halftime, and yep. um, or the reverse pass. I can't remember who threw that, but um, if we yeah. score on that drive, we win. I think we will win that game. After that, we didn't score. We had to kick a field goal before half. If we yeah. score right there on that, we, we probably win the game. It changed it going into halftime. Yeah. It really did, but man, you had a you had a monster game in that one. Um, all right, so uh, amazing stuff. Um, you're back in Auburn, and you have been around um, this new staff a little bit. You've been up to the uh, the complex a little bit, met some of the coaches, met some of the players, uh, saw the video that Auburn football put out. 
um, of you speaking to the team. It was really, really awesome. Um, just kind of talk about your vibes a little bit and, and what it was like um, meeting Coach Harson. kind of what you think about him and sort of what your message was when you went, went up there and, and spoke to the team not too long ago. You know, just been around those guys, I can tell they bond into what Coach Harson got to say. I can see them coming together as a team a lot more. You know, when I first started coming up there into towards the end, like right now, you can see the change of what Coach Harson came in and did with those guys. You know, when you get a new coach, you know, you got you to get guys on the same page. You got to get guys that want to play for you. And I think Coach Harson did that. He got the guys wanting to play for him. Um, he developed great team team activities along the way, and that helps build team like chemistry. You need to ask a new coach. You need the team to be on the same page. You don't need the individuals in football. So I think he brought the team close together, and I think that's a big thing he did. Um, I still think he's still he's still learning about the SEC. SEC is one of the one of the most competitive things when it comes to recruiting, and I think he's still catching on to that. But once he get get used to everything, I think he's going to be a phenomenal coach in the SEC. He's a very smart guy. He talks with passion. He believes in it, and the players believe his passion. The way he coaches, you know, the way he walks around makes you want to play for him. You know, he get in with the workouts. He does, does stuff to make players like, hey, this guy working with me? Well, I'm going to work for him, you know? And um, I can tell that on the way when I went to go talk to him, you know, it was just about, you know, life and enjoying this process, you know, not not missing on this opportunity of being at Army University, man, because – it's a great blessing. It's it's a great opportunity, you know. You take advantage of. It. You make some good friends. You make a, you make memories that nobody can take from you in that building. And, I, and that's what I talked to him about. Enjoy this process. Don't let this process pass by because you caught into all the other hype and the, the money, all the new rules they got. Like that can mess your career up in college. You got to enjoy college for what it is. You know, it's the it's a time to build friendships that's gonna last a lifetime. It's it's an opportunity to get a free education. Stuff like that about what to take serious and what to push out to the side. Did he talk, did coach Harson talk to you about like, cause I would imagine if, if I was a coach and had an opportunity to, you know, have former players in like you and, and Trevon Reed, who's now part of the staff, you know, who's been around, but I, you know, I would, I would probably, you know, really try to dig in with you on like, Hey, what, what was, what was Auburn like when you were here? And like, I would just try to get to know the program. Did he, did he do some of that? Did he try to talk to you about like get the vibe and the feel of Auburn, or did you feel like it was your opportunity to kind of tell him here's what Auburn's about? No, I think he, I think they helped him out. I think with that because he kept some guys that actually played here around, so that helped to have them guys on staff. And um, you know, he just wanted us to be. He told us he, he loved that we come around because he know we know the environment. Yeah. So having us around is like a big thing for him. He loved that players come back. That's one thing I do respect about him. He don't have to do that. He don't have to allow us to be around, you know, but it just the respect level. That's what makes Auburn great. You know, you come and you get these new coaches and they respect what we've done in the past to allow us to be a part of the future, you know. And um, I think having Zach and um, Calac on staff is big, you know, and those guys was good players here, great players. Calac was one of the best running backs to come play this game. So he know the atmosphere. He know what it takes to get recruits. He knows. So I think that was smart of him to keep those guys. And I think it's helping him with some of the players, actually, too. Yeah, no, that's a that's a that's a great point. Um, so that was kind of his message. Hey, you're welcome. I mean, that's sort of his thing to you. Hey, you're yeah. welcome anytime. Yeah, doors open. Y'all always welcome. Um, and that was big, you know, to hear that from a guy that you know not from here don't know the, the history as well and don't know the culture. Like Auburn is a deep family thing. You know, they love having old players around this place, and I think he bought into that just like we bought into what respecting him and what he wishes, what he asked for us to do. Yeah, that's that's awesome. I mean, it's a huge, it's a huge deal for a for a new staff for sure is to get those players and to invite them in, um, and to you know try to get to know them and 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 have those guys as allies. I mean, he wants former players. I mean, your your opinion and the, the opinions of former players mean a whole lot. And if they come and say he welcomes us and 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 we like what we see, it's a that's a big deal. Uh, it's a big yeah. deal. I, um, I know you had a chance to um, go to the scrimmage recently. I know he invited a lot of former players back um, to go to the scrimmage. Um, what was that like? What was kind of the vibe of, of what you saw? And kind of give me your impressions on what you saw from, from the team a little bit. I see good team chemistry. I've seen guys out there just doing fundamental, being smart. And that's hard to do in college football, have guys be smart, keep each other safe. And that, that's that's my head off to Coach Harson. And that's like a hard thing to do, keep guys – Make them do their job, 
but at the same time protect each other. And that's big in, in college football for a coach to have his players already doing that. You know, I, I walked in right before everybody got there, it started raining. The way he yeah. grabbed his players and, and told them, went and have a meeting and talked to those guys, talked to the team leaders and, you know, basically say this was going And it took their word and it was like cool to see that he involved his his players into the decision made, do we, should we practice today or should we do this? Like, And that's like, I think a great coach right there. And I, I like seeing stuff like that. Not just not the stuff on the field, but the little stuff he do with the players and involve them. And that's big, man. That's great. You're going to have them guys respect you more and fight for you more. Anything stand out to you at the scrimmage? I mean, you're probably watching the receivers being a receiver, but what, what did you like? I mean, what, what are some things that maybe you, that, that gave you some hope? Um, I've seen some of the young receivers, you know, one of the young receivers really fast and really good. He made a few plays and out and he, he like, he, he wanted to be a, like a starter. Like he playing like a starter already, just watching him move around. Um, I think the defense up front looked really good. Um, secondary looked good. It's, I think it's still a little work to be done, but that's part of it, you know, building that chemistry. But other, other than that, they was very fundamental. They was doing everything the right way, making plays. You've seen plays being made. So that was great to see. Um, Bo looked good. You know, all the quarterbacks looked pretty good to me. I think Bogan, you're still used to the uh, offense, you know, getting comfortable with the offensive line. And I think they're going to have a chance. And you, you said something uh, that there's, there's still work to be done. And, you know, every year, I guess we deal with the same thing, right? Like there's this first scrimmage of the fall and we kind of get, we kind of hear about what happens and then everybody starts well, you know, let's make a bunch of decisions or let's make a bunch of assumptions and opinions based on the first scrimmage of the fall. You, you've been involved in a bunch of those. Yeah. Like, how, what is it like the, your first scrimmage of fall camp compared to game one? Like how, how far can you come in the next three weeks? I mean, what do you take oh from that God. scrimmage? That one scrimmage will show you, it's going to give you the answer to being on that game field for the first time. I don't care if it's prices or when you go in that game field, it's a di- different atmosphere. Like I don't care if it's a practice scrimmage or a real game. That's the first time some of them guys have been in that stadium and been on that fit, like putting on pads and scrimmaging, you know, because some of them guys just came in in the summer. So you have to play a lot of factors into this. And, and what's good about it, they're going to have another one in that stadium. As they learn to get comfortable and they're going to get to get in front of fans before the first game, that's, that's big time. That's stuff that's going to help guys loosen up and lose that nerves. You know, the first scrimmage tell you a lot. It helps you know what to work on, you know, like putting, having the refs out there blowing the whistle, moving the ball and stuff. So the first scrimmage is basically like a, a warm-up to the next scrimmage. You know, it's always like a warm-up to the next thing, the next thing. And I think the first scrimmage just gets a little jitter out, get to play around some freshmen getting used to being on the college field with college refs. It's just breaking them in. You mentioned something a few minutes ago that I thought was um, – that reminded me something. I was talking to Rob Pate, who who played at Auburn 97 to 2000 um, and really good safety, and he – he was talking about how Brian Harson has worked out with the team. And I'm sure you've seen those pictures and the videos of him running decks with the team and he's lifting with the team and um, kind of, I mean, I, I think fairly unusual for a head coach of a, especially of a major program or any program to literally be working out with the team. Um, and, and Rob mentioned like, especially as a new coach, how much, loyalty that would that would provide to him how much he would buy in if, if here he is with a new coach and they're running decks with him and they're lifting weights with him and they're sweating the coach is sitting there sweating beside me um what would that mean to you if, if if you had a coach like what does that mean for these players that are trying to get to know coach harson and here he is you know busting his butt working right next to him which is probably unusual for a lot of them like what would that mean to you if if, if you had this new coach coming in and like would that would that help get you you know build some loyalty with him? A one hundred percent. You know that shows you the like what he's he's willing to give up something to give you guys. He willing to give up his his time to stand around and watch and be a part of, so he can feel it. He can know what's going on. We can't say like we know how most players say the coach or no, he ain't doing it with us. Here you go, your coach right here doing the, sta- the stadiums with you doing the stuff with you. So now you can't be lazy. You can't say he don't know how this feel and it makes you work harder. You know. You can't get outdone by your coach. Now you're just building respect levels between those guys, and that's big. I think it was a smart thing to do. Yeah, it's certainly unusual for for me to see, man, if, if him doing that. Um, going back to you know your transition from 2012 to 2013, um, what would be your advice to the players now that are going through what you went through, a coaching change, and um, 
trying to figure it out, trying to figure out where, what my role is with the team and what, what are the expectations of this new coaching staff and, you know, what do they want? What are they looking for? Uh, are there new standards? Like what, what would, what's your advice to these players when they're trying to navigate this? Like, how did you handle it and what would you tell them now? I will say what I um, said earlier, you know, um, it's football. A coach's job is to prepare you. It, I don't care who your coach is. This is the only job he has. He can't go out there and make the play for you. He can't go do any of that stuff for you. So at the end of the day, they still have to play football. Like football is the name of the game. Coaching is a good way to prepare you. They do the, the homework and you go out there and put the homework on the field, what they teach you and have you do. But, you know, when they come to going out there and playing with each other, you can't coach that. that that's built in the locker rooms. And I, I'll say that the, the winners, like winning is built among your players. Coaches are there to supervise and make sure you're doing stuff the proper way. And um, they can go break down film and notice more than you can. It's just like they do the, the hard work with the film and the breaking down of the other teams, and you go out there and do the work. And at the end of the day, it doesn't matter if new head coach or if they still have mouths on. Them guys got to play together and build a tight bond within each other so they can barely play for each other. That's the only way you win in football. Coaching on – I hate to say it, coaches ain't, ain't going to win a game for you. They, they might put you in the right scheme to win a game, but you got to go out there and actually execute those those plays, those what they tell you. So it's on the players to win. They got to build that chemistry with each other. Then the coaches get all the credit. You know, it's, it's how football works. Yeah. That's such a great point. That's such a great point that honestly, I haven't even really thought about. I mean, um, is, is having that leadership that, that translates over, especially during a coaching change, who on this new team, is going to be a leader who's going to hold guys accountable who's going to make sure that we're we're buying into what the staff wants to do um that's such a good point who were some of those guys back in from 12 to 13 like take people back or who were maybe some of the guys or maybe or maybe what were some of the moments that you remember like it clicking like the team buying in i i think it was no we had a collective of guys man and i said i'm not trying to say we just had the best team and all this we had a a good group of guys like the DBs hung with DBs. Like them guys that do nothing without like each other. They was always together. The offensive line was always together. Like it was like they built them that team and then the offense was always around together. It's like we were just so close as a team or like all the way around that I just it was hard to pick out an individual guy, you know, you just yeah. it just how it was. You know, it, it was so close. Like we come had competition with each other. Like we pushed each other to be great. As one, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think that's a great point. I think I think next time we have an opportunity to to talk to Harson, I may ask him that question um, because it's 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 such a it's such a valid point, man. Coaches can. You're exactly right. Coaches put you in the position, and then past that, it's it's on you. And especially in terms of leadership and the locker room and holding people accountable. Um, you know, ultimately, ultimately. It's it's on the individual and it's on it's on the leadership of the team. You're you're exactly right. Um, let's let's get out of here with this last question. Um, as as a former Auburn player, as as somebody that, that loves the university, that that loves the city, what do you want to see? Because I think everybody's sort of answer to this is different. Like everybody that likes loves Auburn football wants to see some you know has maybe a different answer, but. What do you want to see from a Brian Harson program as a, as a lover of Auburn football in the program? Like, what do you want to see him bring to the program? I'll give you an example for me. You know, what, what I thought Malzahn was missing was consistency. It was just, and I think that's kind of the struggle with a lot of fans. It was just kind of 13, 14, and then 15, 16, and then 17. And then it just was up and down. And I, that I would want to see consistency. Like, what do you want to see Brian Harson bring to the program? What do you want the program to look like? I want to see a program of growth. Like, you know, it's been many great coaches here, you know, but it was never growth on a consistent basis. Like one year we might have a top recruit class. Next year we might be middle class. Like it's like growth, man, you growing continually every year. One year you you might one, but you consistently growing to say at number one. Like it's too much. I don't care what, what time I was at Auburn. We never had a consistent base of, the same great caliber players coming in. Like, I want to build a dynasty. I want if, – if Coach Harsh can do that, build a dynasty like what Nick Saban do. Nick Saban built a dynasty. Nobody's least expecting Nick Saban not to be in the top five area recruits. Ain't nobody – if you if – you, if a person say 
They don't expect him to be in the top five. They just don't know nothing about football. <laughs> you, like, you, like he, you, your expectation for Nick Saban is, I know he's going to be number one or number two by the end of the season. I know he's going to have the top recruits every year. That's like an expectation that he's held at. Like, you, you look at, you think Nick Saban is sick if he, like, if they number five. Like, yeah. you, like, building growth and being, like, being very stable with being at the top, not bouncing around, you know, one year we rank number five in the country, next year we're number 20. Like, it's just too much, like, moving around. We, I, I hope hard. this is what I hope for Harson is that he start a new dynasty that Auburn is at the top all the time. You know, with everything, recruits, putting players in a draft, and not just one or two players, not just a quarterback or one offensive lineman. Five different positions, a top DB, a top running back, like this consistently at the top. Man, I know, I know a lot of Auburn fans would echo that and, uh, and would absolutely love um, for, that to, for that to come to fruition, man. Um, dude, awesome time catching up with you, man. Um, I, I want to have you on during the season at, at different times and kind of give your perspective. I know you'll be watching. I know for sure. Team, get your, get, your, get your thoughts <laughs> on the receivers, and I, I can't wait to to hear what you think, man. That receiver core, man, they're they're uh they're unproven. It's gonna be really interesting to see who steps up, man. Yeah, you got a lot of different guys in that room, man. You ain't you ain't really had that guy that had a breakout season, so it's gonna be it's all up in the air right now in that room. That's one thing I do like that I think they created is competition in that room, and you need that. You need that at every position. You need competition. That's what makes guys become best. So I think that what the receivers gonna do. Is have competition with each other inside that room. Have you met Cornelius Williams? Yes, smart guy. He, he loves football. He the players respect him. Um, I would respect him if I was a player playing with him because he played the game at a college level. He um played the position. You know, like he done what we are. Like he trying to get these guys to do. You know, and um, I think that's that's good that he's a of age where guys can not just look at him as an old guy. They can kind of see eye to eye with him on some things. You know. Yeah, he was such a good player in high school and, and at Troy. Um, yeah. Such a sound player. Well, awesome to have you, man. Uh, we're going to have you back for sure. Uh, appreciate your perspective and, and your opinions, man. Glad to have you back in Auburn. Uh, one of the best dudes I know, man, and I can't wait to do it again. All right, thanks for having me, brother. You got it, man. See you, Sammy. Yeah. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Big thanks to Sammy Coates for joining us, man. What an awesome guy. Um, and he's going to join us a lot throughout the season on the Auburn Live Show. Hey, now we welcome in another special guest. Uh, if you are a subscriber to AuburnLive.com, you read a story um, that we put up um, talking about Auburn University and its partnership now with a company called XO Armor out of, that's built out of Auburn. And we welcome in now the founder of XO Armor, uh, Michael Zabala. Michael, what's happening, man? Thanks for coming on. Yeah, how's it going, Justin? Good to see you again. Yeah, absolutely, man. Um, so, so awesome to to put that story out for you. For you, um, the story of XO Armor is really cool. If, for people listening, if you haven't had a chance, go to auburnlive.com. I made it free so that anybody you know can be shared and all that. So, if you're listening and you haven't been, go check it out. Um, but we wanted to bring Michael on to kind of talk about it because he can explain it. Look, I, I did my best. Okay. I did my best in the story. Uh, but, but Michael's like the, the mind behind this. And so I, I wanted to, to bring him on just to kind of add context and talk about this really awesome company and this really awesome thing that Auburn and, and, and some other schools are doing and the way it could kind of revolution, revolutionize college football. So um, Michael, for, for people that don't know what Exo Armor is, like, what's the most basic way you can describe who you are and, and what you do? Sure. Well, the simplest way is, is simply that we are using scanning technology on an iPhone or a smartphone combined with 3D printing to produce customized, individualized pads 
for athletes. And we're doing it by placing 3D printers inside the athletics facilities so that this gear can, can print and uh, be sent directly to the facility and in real time, and they can have it immediately as they need it. So what's crazy about this, and we'll, we'll get into the details, but like in general, when I first heard about um, this and full disclosure for people, I, I've known Michael for a long time. Uh, we went to high school together. Um, and so I've known about what you guys were doing now for a while. And when I first heard the idea, I was like, this is surely this is being done. Wait, what? So I was like, I was so confused. I was like, it's 2021 and nobody's printing 3D, you know, braces. It just seemed like, how is that not being done? You know, think about the arms race in college football and facilities and money and everything that's pouring into, to, 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 you know, help student athletes when they're on campus and to recruit them there. I just couldn't believe that this wasn't happening already. And, and like, what were you like when, when you started doing this, were you surprised that this wasn't being done or did you know? Not, honestly, no, not really. And the reason is, well, as you probably know, 3d printing has been around a while now. It's a new technology. It's, it's, it's brand new in some senses, but it is fairly established. Uh, but, but the real, I think the difference maker for us is that you have this simultaneous emergence of the ability to scan a surface in three dimensions on pretty much every smartphone that exists combined with 3D printers becoming easier to use and much cheaper than they originally were when they came out. And so you've got both of these technologies that have come about at the same time that really is what has allowed us to do this. So when, when we first started, the first gear we ever made back in the days, 2019, Anthony Schwartz, Seth Williams, and those guys, we had them, we had to have them come into the lab. This is, of course, before before we were a company. And, and for those that don't know the lab I'm talking about, this is, uh, so I, I direct the Auburn, it's called the Auburn University Biomechanical Engineering Lab. So biomechanical engineering is my background. I teach mechanical engineering at Auburn. But we brought these athletes into the lab and we had to use a $25,000 scanner, a $25,000 3D scanner to scan their shoulders, scan their hands, scan whatever it is that we were trying to protect. And obviously that's expensive and that's, you would probably say prohibitively expensive. Uh, but what ended up happening was, is we were able to figure out how to do this by utilizing the camera technology that's found on iPhones. Uh, if you have an iPhone 10 or later, you can have access to our app and you can have the ability to do a 3D scan. So now all of a sudden, everyone's got a smartphone. Most people have an iPhone and that means they can perform this 3D scanning. And if you combine that with, 3D printers becoming faster, printing stronger gear, uh, being at the, the level of cost that uh, it's, it's accessible. I mean, we're talking less than $5,000 for a 3D printer. Now it becomes a, a big reality. And again, this is, this is new. If you think about how long Face ID technology for the iPhone has been out, it's not very long. Yeah. And that's the type of scanning we're talking about. So that's the reason why you haven't seen this done before is because it's taken the maturation of all these technologies at the same time to make it possible. Yeah. So, I mean, look, for those you're listening, if you, if you're not getting the picture yet, um, what EXO is doing is, is going to change college football. It is, it already is. You just don't know it. Um, but it's, it's going, it's going to change college football. We, we wrote about, um, you know, the reason I wanted to have Michael on was obviously to announce huge news. Auburn, Athletics, Auburn University has, has agreed to a deal, is now working with uh, XO Armor. And of course, you've got Clemson on board as well. And you've worked with a lot of other colleges and you're talking to the NFL and you've helped, you've helped out Auburn basketball. Um, so like, you, it, and it's not just, you know, you've done shin guards for soccer. So like there's the applications like endless on this thing. But one of the, one of the really cool um, things that I, I think people will under understand or maybe could see how, how big this could be is, um, well, let's start here. Before we go there, let's start here. Tell people, because a lot of the people that listen to this podcast are Auburn fans, um, what happened with Anthony Schwartz and Seth Williams. And if you're an Auburn fan, you probably remember Anthony Schwartz being injured and having a hurt hand. Um, and I guess that was uh, 19 and yeah, it was 2019. 2019. And of course, Seth Williams was 18, right? 
Um, well, actually, it was, it was both 2019. That's, oh, it was both 2019. Uh, okay. We, we, but talk about how, like, Auburn got involved. Like, how, how just all of a sudden you're making this stuff for Auburn athletes and getting them on the field, and nobody even really knew about it at the time. Well, to be honest, I didn't really see it coming, at least in, in the sense of Auburn athletics. And when I when I set out building this lab, part of the process is buying equipment for lab. And, and that involved motion capture equipment involved in this case, obviously, the, the scanner, the $25,000 scan, scanner. I bought a couple of 3D printers, a whole lot of different things like this. And there's there's a general vision, of course, for the lab and what it would do. And the most I could tell at that point, I thought maybe it'd be some sort of strictly medical, maybe for amputees, prosthetics or orthotics, but combining the 3D scanner, the $25,000 3D scanner with the 3D printer to do that. And then one day out of the blue, Robbie Stewart, the head athletic trainer here for football, who also is my neighbor. So I know him uh, uh, because we share a fence. Uh, he gave me a call and, and I picked up the phone and he said, Hey, I know, I know you got some equipment in your lab. You can do some pretty interesting things. Maybe, maybe you can help us out. Cause I got a wide receiver with a broken hand and I want to make him something to protect his hand, but something that's low enough profile that he can still wear his receiver glove over top of it. Cause we want to be able to play with this thing. So immediately I thought, well, maybe we can, maybe this, this is it. This is our opportunity to, to really use this equipment that, the university has provided for research purposes to be able to have an immediate impact. So I didn't know exactly how it was going to happen. Uh, I had a general, general idea, but we brought him in the lab. I remember clearly it was very early as, you know, seven in the morning or, or whatnot. And, and he came in and his hand was still pretty beat up. I think he'd had surgery recently, uh, but we scanned his hand and uh, we took that surface, the, the surface of his hand and, from that created a, a guard with a, we gave it a thickness and it follows the profile of his hand and it's very thin. And we were talking to Robbie and Kirk Nielsen, also athletic trainer. And they were telling us, Hey, we want to put uh, two millimeter thick padding on the inside of it. So we would make an adjustment for that. And we made him, we made Anthony a couple of options. And at the time, it was taking us a little bit longer to print these things. So some of the first guards for Anthony was taking eight or 10 hours each. Now, now we've gotten it fast enough. We can probably do it in half an hour. Wow. So, so he'd have to leave. And then he'd come back the next day and we'd have a couple options. He'd try it on and, and we'd make some adjustments and whatnot. And, uh, and that's kind of how we, how we settled on it. And I didn't know if it'd go much further than that. He had success. Uh, you know, he played with it against Texas A&M. I love to tell this story. It was so much fun. I was in my living room. I had my two daughters and wife with me and my, my newborn son literally in my arms and Schwartz gets on the field. I know he's wearing the guard. Nobody else knows he's wearing the guard except for the athletic training staff and the medical staff. And then I watch him take the reverse for 57 yards for a touchdown. Yeah. And Dr. Goodlett's texting me from the sidelines. It was Amazing. just a, just a complete blast, but I thought that was it. And then, I don't know, a week, maybe two weeks later, Robbie texts me, says, hey, you think you could do a shoulder? And I thought, well, a shoulder is a lot bigger surface than a hand, but uh, you know, our 3D printer can handle that big of, a, of an item. So we brought Seth in, scanned his shoulder, made him a shoulder guard. That took 28 hours to print, took a really long time. Again, we've gotten it fast enough now that that might take two and a half hours, but uh, but it was a long time, and I remember hand-delivering that shoulder guard to Kirk Nielsen just outside of Wiggins Hall, the mechanical engineering building on campus, so that Seth could uh, – so that he could use it that day uh, during the game. So that was, that, was a, that was a pretty fun experience. But then it just kind of went on from there. We started making more stuff, more and more stuff. Um, and, and what ended up happening was his word got out to uh, a guy named Zach Foster, athletic trainer at West Virginia University. And he learned about what we'd done for Seth, and he had a wide receiver – that had the same type injury as Seth and Zach just emailed me. We didn't know each other. He just emailed me and said, Hey, can you do this remotely? And that's when I said, well, maybe we can figure out how to do this on iPhone. And that's what we did. So we made the guy uh, a shoulder guard for, for the wide receiver at West Virginia. We shipped it to him. He wore it against Kansas state that next Saturday. And then that got me thinking, okay, maybe this can turn into something bigger than just here at Auburn. Wow. It's unbelievable. Um, and I've seen this stuff. I mean, I'm telling you, like uh, you have the guard and then you have that, 
shock shield gel padding that you put you know on on there that that so that goes on the skin and 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 then the you know but then the the brace itself obviously pushes down onto that padding creates the contour and the pads go on top of that so the weight i guess pushes that padding on and really secures it to the to the part of the body and fits all the contours correct yeah that's right so what we're 3d printing is you can think of it as a plastic shell yeah. And most times, although there are exceptions, for example, we've made some thumb guards for catchers in Major League Baseball where they don't want any padding. They might want what's called moleskin or, you know, just some sort of soft surface to apply to it. Uh, but most of the time, especially for football, they're going to want some sort of padding to go up against this plastic shell that we're 3D printing. And, and the guys at Auburn, they've really liked this material called shock shield. It looks it's basically ballistics gel. I mean, it's what it looks like. It's what it functions yeah, as. It's so freaking yeah, it, it's, soft. Yeah, like, it, it, it absorbs energy. It protects against injury very well. And it really does the trick. And uh, and lots of times they'll tape it down. Uh, you know, they have a, a number of different techniques that they have to secure it. But, uh, but it really goes well together because you got the high level of conformity. Because, again, we, we're literally taking the shape of the surface of their body and we're creating from that. And so it hugs all the curves and, and all the curvature very well. And so they tend to they tend to say that they can't even really feel it, the athletes, because it fits so well. And then it protect, protects them, obviously, from impact. And I think the best example yeah. was Seth taking that direct hit uh, from the linebacker at Mississippi State when he was wearing it. And it, and it protected his injury pretty well. Yeah, and I remember that play it was a late hit. Um, it was a targeting play. I actually remember that. Um, so here you are doing doing what you're doing, and, and these colleges are getting involved. Um, I mean, how do you see what you're doing affecting the college game? Like, like so you have this deal with Auburn, right? So, right. you know, how does it help Auburn? What's the competitive advantage? I mean, kind of spell out to people what the competitive advantage is for an Auburn or another school that, that uses your technology and that partners with you, how does that affect them in like a practical way during, during the season? I mean, a guy gets injured and, and what you, you're getting the guy back out there uh, the next week when it wouldn't have happened otherwise, like what's a, how, how practically, how are you giving a team competitive advantage? Like Auburn has got this, this partnership with you. How's it helping them? Well, there's a direct benefit. Like you, like you said, uh, in terms of getting a player back out on the field sooner, We've gotten our, our printer setting so fast that we talk about if you've got an athlete that goes down with an injury in the first quarter, depending on what it is that you need made, we could very likely have something 3D printed for them there on site for you so that they could be wearing it by the second half. And so getting them back on the field sooner, you remember, I think it was a couple of years ago, or maybe it was last year, Justin Fields quarterback Ohio state took that hit to the ribs, right? Yeah. Came yeah. out of the game. They stuffed a bunch of pillows under his Jersey, <laughs> uh, but that's the sort of thing. I mean, if someone goes down like that, you could scan their ribs and we could 3d print you something right then. And, and the way we do it is we're placing these 3d printers on site and we're, we, we receive the scan from the app goes up to the cloud. We pull it off. We process it. Scanning takes maybe five seconds. We process the scan, which takes maybe five minutes. And then we send that model that file to the printer on site and it's, and it's printed there so they can pop it off and use it. But another big benefit to this is for the athlete directly. And so if you think about it in the context of a practice, so an athlete has an injury in practice, most of the time, if, if they're going to use anything else, maybe orthoplast, it's a, that's a type of material that you can heat in warm water and drape it over the body. If they're going to use something like that, the athlete is going to be tied up uh, with the athletic trainer or the medical staff for, it could be hours trying to fashion up a device for that athlete, for the injury where they need the athlete's body there in person. That's keeping that athlete away from time with uh, meeting with uh, other you know, special teams or other groups or study sessions or anything else that they have time that they need to dedicate to. In our case, now you're talking, it's five to 10 seconds. If they got a shoulder injury, you scan their shoulder in 10 seconds and you send them on their way. So it's time saved across the board for everybody it's unbelievable um it's unbelievable and and I, I, you may have mentioned it but the, the preventative nature of it is something you had mentioned to me that i never thought about was like you think of the injury happens and then we make something for the player um or the injury happens and we got to wait 
couple hours, or if it's a really, really complex thing or something, maybe you get it the next day or whatever. And you brought up, Hey, why aren't these schools um, just bind your program? Why aren't these schools just, ha- why don't they have an inventory of if you're running backs, have them all shoulders. They're all, they're all scanned and they're all made, um, you know, at some point, like, like right before the season starts. Cause obviously that can change, but I mean, I would have to think from the span of like August to September, October, guys aren't changing their body. I mean, once the season right. starts, they're just trying to maintain. They're not, it's not right. the spring and summer where they're getting jacked up. So, I mean, why not have an inventory of shoulders for linebackers and running backs or, you know, ribs for quarterback or whatever it is. So if it happens, boom, you just slide it in and you go. Like that's your thought, yeah. right? Yeah. I remember very clearly we had a linebacker in, in the lab one time and I was asking him, I, I said, how often do the linebackers experience or have shoulder injuries or, or when abouts do they have shoulder injuries during the season? And he kind of, kind of was laugh, started laughing at me because it's like, man, every linebacker has shoulder injuries and every linebacker has shoulder injuries all the time. And so that's when I, when I'm thinking, well, okay, if maybe if you're wearing this extremely thin, low profile shoulder guard under your shoulder pads, and it's so thin and it's so contoured, it does not affect the way the shoulder pads fit then maybe that could prevent some of that. And, you know, I think um, you and I, maybe, I think we we're talking about carry on Johnson was it a few years back, yeah. right. Running back. Uh, it was in the sec championship game. I think that was a year where we beat Alabama and Georgia, both at number one. Right. And then we go to the sec championship game against Georgia and carry on shoulder is just mm-hmm. obliterated. Yeah. And, and it cost us, it might've even cost us that sec championship. And I just got to thinking, boy, if he was wearing our gear, all season long, it's a decent chance. Maybe he wouldn't have had that shoulder injury. Yeah. Uh, so the only problem with that is you have to convince the players to wear it. Right. And that can be a challenge, but I wholeheartedly believe that if, if you put our shoulder guards underneath the shoulder pads of the running, all the running backs and all the linebackers and all the other positions that hit hard and hit often, you're going to save yourself. You're going to save them from injury and you're going to increase their effectiveness and maybe even the number of plays that they're in throughout the duration of the season. Oh, there's no question. There's no question. When I, when I put my hands on the stuff, I mean, I said to you, I remember asking the question, like, this is cheating. It's like, how are there not rules? Like, are there rules from the NCAA about equipment and, 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 and what can you wear outside of, you know, regulated shoulder pads and helmets and everything that, you know, thigh pads and everything they have to wear, like, are there any rules about what you can and can't do underneath the shoulder pads? And you were like, no. And I'm thinking, it, okay, if that's the case, this is cheating. I mean, if, if you could, people listening, if you could put your hands on the, the gel that underlies that, and then you think about this shell being the exact contour, so then it's going to press down and fit perfectly. Then you put your pads on top of it. Um, I mean, it was just crazy to me. I, I was like, yeah. this would be amazing if I were a running back and had these on my shoulders. Yep. Um, and, and, and it was absorbing, you know, or, or we talked about the leg, like if you're a running back, Hey, could you have something on your thigh? So when those guys are just chopping you down all game, um, you're not feeling you're protecting against injuries and stuff that way. Yep. I mean, it's, it's incredible. So talk about the feedback. You've obviously got some universities that are interested that are partnering with you. Auburn talk about kind of the partnership with Auburn. What does that mean? What does yep. Auburn get from it? And, and what's the feedback you've gotten from it? Like, how are they buying in? Well, uh, Auburn is home and Auburn is how we got started. And uh, the staff there, athletic training staff, Robbie and Kirk, and then, you know, Dr. Goodlett and all those folks have been just really instrumental for us in helping us understand the needs of the customer. And so they've, uh, they've been in this uh, with us from the beginning and they've been extremely helpful when it was, when we transitioned from academic lab based just for fun to an actual business where we had to, to get serious about it. So they've been extremely helpful. Uh, but the main thing uh, is, is our offering of having a 3d printer on site. And uh, I remember specifically Kirk Nielsen, uh, he, he made a comment, Hey, I want to get a 3d printer here so I can have these made here. And that was instrumental in how we went about setting this up. So Auburn, I think really gets the credit for that. And so that's what they're going to have. That's what Clemson has. It's what West Virginia is going to have, the, a 3D printer there on site. Uh, all, we have different options based on the program needs. We have a means of programs getting in uh, the door with us very, uh, at a very low cost. 
Uh, and so, uh, so you can basically, if, if you don't have a 3D printer, lots of schools do, by the way, lots of schools already have access to 3D printers, so they have them. Uh, but if you don't, you can get a 3D printer for less than $5,000. And, uh, you know, that's what we're doing with West Virginia. We're saying, okay, this is the 3D printer we recommend. We highly recommend it. And we're actually having that company pre-set it up with all the settings so that it can print really fast and really strong for them. So, uh, and, and then and then if you want, if you need, then it can be on a, just a per print basis. And yeah. so now you've got even potentially high schools that can come in, you got a 3D printer, and, and you're going you're gonna to operate on a per print basis. But Auburn uh, and, and Clemson and, and a lot of other uh, Division I uh, big, big programs, uh, you know, they're going with the unlimited. And that's exactly what it sounds like. It's, it's print however many you want. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and we like that. We think, that's, we think that's best for the program and the athletes because now all of a sudden you can have four or five different versions of the same guard and you can let that athlete try it on and let them pick whichever one they like best. Mm-hmm. And then once they pick that, now you can make five of those because these athletes, they have lost the gear before uh, in, in after game parties and yeah. whatnot. So it really provides a lot of options. I think it just opens it up and allows athletic trainers to be really creative with what they make. Yeah. I mean, the opportunities are, are crazy. And I think the more word gets out to these, to these colleges, I mean, it's a no brainer. Like it's a no brainer. I'm not even, I mean, I just, I just can't imagine. I mean, like I said, the first time I heard it, I thought, how's this not already being done? And um, it's such a no brainer to make the investment with these programs. And I, I can't imagine you're not about to be really successful because like I talk about, I mean, you got the arms race going on. Everybody's got to have bigger facilities and bigger player lounges and all this stuff. So like you're doing all that. Well, I mean, weight rooms, like that all happened in the yeah. last decade. So the next step is I think doing what you're doing. And I'm, I'm just, I'm just, it's crazy that, that nobody has uh, done it. I remember watching, um, what well, was Robbie, I guess I was watching the, the interview um, on the Auburn University site and he was saying that they kind of just made a make, you know, they just sort of did like a makeshift thing in the past. Um, right. Yeah. Just wow. Yeah. Like every little thing is attention to detail. And then that it's like, oh, we just kind of do like a makeshift thing. Yep. Yeah. And, and Justin, I think one thing that can't go unnoticed about this is its impact on recruiting. Yeah. Because you can now bring a recruit into the door and they can be seeing literally watching a customized pad being 3d printed for their athletes. Yeah. And that, and that, that's part of, that's part of that process in my mind. Right. I mean, definitely I I feel like this adds value in terms of protecting against injury and, um, and, and allowing an athlete to get back out in the field sooner, but this is the best that a program can offer for protection against athletes. And that's what, that's what recruits care about. And so I think there's a big element to this of having that 3d printer front and center for that purpose. Yeah. I can imagine walking into the football facility and having one of your mannequins with the, with the, with the, um, you know, with the guards on it, you know, real kind of futuristic, like um, that would be sweet, man. Put like a helmet on them and, 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 you know, just that would, that would be an awesome, look all right so like what's next right so you're you're you've got these partnerships with with auburn and clemson now you've produced stuff for a number of different players and programs and so the word's getting out where do you hope the company is a year from now or a couple of years from now or like what's kind of on your on your radar um with with xo like what what's the next steps man how how does this thing blow up well, college athletics is that again, that's our home. That's, that's how we got our start. And so that's how we're really, how we really plan to launch this thing. And, and we're also working with West Virginia now, and we've got a lot of other programs lined up. Uh, and I think, you know, if you, you're asking me a year from now, what's it going to look like? My hope is that we've got, I'll just say a large number of college programs that are on board with us and working with us. And that's really exciting. And as a sports fan, I love that. That's that's great. We we've made gear for uh, six or seven different programs now, and it's just a lot of fun to know that you're helping these teams get their injured players back out in the field. But that being said, there's a whole element to this that we haven't even talked about, which is providing this technology to the weekend warriors, to the yeah. people who don't start 
or play for a Division One football team. Uh, and so we are actively exploring ways that we can put our systems into orthopedic clinics, into physical therapy clinics, into sports medicine clinics. Uh, we've, we're in discussions with a group up in Atlanta and another one up in Gadsden, and we've already begun work for, for one in Birmingham. So we feel like that is a huge potential for us moving forward into the future. Again, I think that the, the most obvious application is football. Uh, and college sports, but medicine in and of itself, I think, is another very viable path that we plan to take. And I will say, too, that, you know, it's not just football in athletics. Uh, I know we've done gear for, I think, seven different sports now. So at Auburn, we've made gear for women's soccer, men's basketball, football, uh, maybe one other. Uh, but we've made gear for lacrosse and softball and hockey. And so there's a lot of different applications for this. And, and I, I would love to see it, obviously, as many programs as possible. But I think there are multiple avenues of growth. I mean, I, another one, too, is military application. And uh, we've, we've been working with a group out in Washington State, a military hospital there, and they're interested in this technology because they want to put it on the front lines. Because now all of a sudden, they don't have to truck in all this gear uh, and, and account for every possible injury, they can just hard drop in material and, and they can 3D print whatever it is they need. So they have a really big interest in this and they've expressed that to us. Have you met Coach Harson yet? You know, what's funny is uh, I, I guess you can consider meeting him. Yesterday, my family and I took a picture with him and I'll be on the concourse. So I don't know if that exactly counts, but <laughs> I mean, that's the closest I've gotten. Yeah, he's got to, he's got to, uh, you got to get with him, man. Like he's got to know, he, he's got to know about what, what you guys are doing for his players. Cause it's yep. going to happen. I mean, it's going to happen during the season. Yep. And they're going to go, Oh, we can have him back. And then he's going to be like, well, what, how's he back yep. out there? Whatever. I guess I'll learn about it at some yep. point, but, um, I'd be fascinated yeah. to know what, what he, uh, I bet he's mind blown. I bet the first time a head coach, you know, probably when Gus saw it, I, I, what was Matt, what was Gus Malzahn's reaction the first time he saw or heard, Hey, there's this thing we can do that we've never done before. Well, uh, <laughs> um, I, you know, I know you mentioned in your article he ran over a piece of our gear with his truck. So <laughs> I wasn't, I never, I never met Coach Malzahn either, and so I never got to talk to him about this. But uh, I can infer from him having run over it with his truck that maybe he was. Uh, a little dubious about it. I don't know, maybe, maybe yeah. not, but apparently it didn't break and apparently it worked well for him. So I'm not exactly sure his overall impression. I don't know if coach Harson knows about what we're doing. Maybe I would hope so. Yeah. Uh, but one thing I would like to say is we will always give Auburn the white glove service. I mean, Auburn, again, that's who we are. That's where we were born. And that's where I still work as a, as a, as a professor in mechanical engineering, and so whatever Auburn needs, we're there for them and, and we're going to do it for them. And uh, it, I, I think it'd be a good message for Coach Harson to hear, right? So yeah. he knows that they've got that equipment and, and they've got access to this biomechanical engineering lab and we're constantly improving the equipment and we're constantly improving our processes and we're constantly making the prints go faster and come out stronger and we're doing impact tests and dropping helmets and breaking things and not breaking things all the time. So so they have access to all of that information. Uh, but to answer your question uh, briefly, no, I've not had the chance to meet Coach Harson yet. Yeah. It's got to it's gotta happen soon, man. You're sitting there making an awesome impact. And uh, soon I think a lot of programs and a lot of head coaches are going to know exactly who EXO is and exactly who you are. Um, it's an incredible company. It's an incredible product. And I just think um, it's going to be – wild in in a handful of years to to look back at this and and i think it's going to be the norm and i think all it's going to take knowing college football all it's going to take is a few and you've got clemson and auburn massive programs all it's going to take is a few for you to go well alabama i mean are you going to let that ha them have that competitive advantage because that is a competitive advantage they've got now i mean are, are you just gonna yep. let them have that you can have the same thing so as soon as somebody starts getting a competitive advantage for something like that that they can also be involved in um, I have to think that schools and programs will, will jump on board. Um, yeah. but it's so awesome that you're involved with Auburn and, 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 and obviously the connections to Auburn and, um, and, and, uh, 
I think it's going to be cool this season. I, I mean, you're going to help the team. At some point this year, it'll happen. At some point this year, you're, there's going to be players you're going to be helping get back on the field. And that's such a, that's such a, that's such a cool thing. It's probably the most rewarding thing for you is you see a kid go back out there on the field and, or in whatever sport and thrive and, and have fun and succeed. And if they miss one less game in their college career, that's probably awesome for you. Yep. Yeah, that's, that's exactly right. And I think I mentioned to you earlier that we made, we made a, a thumb guard for our, our goalie here at Auburn and, and she wore it and she had eight saves and one SEC freshman of the week. And that was just so rewarding because I don't know that she'd have been able to play if, if it weren't protected like that. And one thing I do know is that it gave her increased confidence because she knew that she could block those, those kicks and not worry about hurting her thumb anymore. And that is, like you said, that's a truly rewarding experience because it's fun. We get to help these athletes. They get back out there, they make good plays and it just feels like a win-win all around. That's awesome. Um, hey, tell everybody where they can learn more about the, the products. What's the website? Yeah, it's www.xoarmortech.com. So the letters X and O. And you can go there and you can read about all the different uh, options available, the collegiate, um, even high school, even the orthopedic office option. And we have a, a really great video on the website where you can hear folks like Dr. Goodlett and Robbie Stewart talk about the gear. You can see the 3D printer in action and, and get a little bit more information about how it works. Man, appreciate you coming on, dude. Yeah, you bet. It's been fun. Yeah, absolutely, man. Uh, go, go check it out on the website and go. And like I said, uh, for everybody listening, go to auburnlive.com and check out that uh, article. It's on the front page still. It's linked on our message board. If you go to my Twitter um, at underscore Jay Hokinson. It's there as well. So uh, give it a read. You'll kind of learn more about it, but really awesome company and Auburn being involved with it. Uh, you're going to hear more, a lot more about them uh, in, the, in the near future. There's no doubt. Thanks again, Michael. Yeah. Thanks War Eagle. That's it. We'll see everybody uh, the next time we, uh, we hop on the show. Appreciate everybody joining us. Um, and we'll be back real, real soon. See ya.